the guy who's running the COVID-19 task force is Jeffrey Zients. He's a me mega like businessman. I've heard it described as like, he's like, um, if, if you were to get like Stephen Miller to run immigration policy, essentially. once again to another edition of the Bituation Room podcast here uh, in your ears, in your eyeballs. I hope you guys are good on this Sunday evening, um, you know, as we just warm ourselves in uh, the ashes of our democracy. Yeah, they're just, you know, they're good. You can barbecue stuff over those coals. Ideally, the rich is what I hope we do. Um, but good to have you here. If you're here on YouTube, uh, obviously click that like button and share the stream right now. If you're on Twitch, sup. If you're listening as a podcast, you know, take a moment right now and write this podcast a five-star review. Just just palm the keyboard with nice things. Um, we have such a good show today. Um, public health researcher and writer Abdullah Shihipar is here. Uh, he's going to talk all about his latest piece for Teen Vogue, in which he calls out the Biden administration's handling of COVID, uh, as I think a lot of us have been doing lately. But um, especially given what's happened in the Supreme Court this week, I'm eager to get his thoughts on where to from here. Um, but to lighten the mood, uh, we have Julie Goldman and Brandy Howard of Dumb Gay Politics podcast and I am relying on them uh, because it is a dark. I feel I've been feeling a little down this week. Uh, I I just like the brighter my lipstick is, the sadder my soul is. So that's how that works. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm very much looking forward to getting them in the stream and and hanging out. Um, but before we do that, I do have a couple announcements to make. Um, number one, I'm sure you heard. If you listened to the show last week, if you follow me on any of the things, that we will be live. And by we, I mean me and Matt Lieb and Sam Cedar will be live in Brooklyn um, March 10th, which is a Thursday at 7 p.m. Not only the three of us, but we're going to be joined by Progressive Council member of New York, Tiffany Caban, um, who again is one of the, the the squad of the New York City Council. Um and that's very exciting. I'm super excited to have her on and pick her brain about New York politics. And I hope you guys can make it there. Again, we're going to be vaxxed. We're going to be masked. Uh, there will be VIP tickets. There are VIP tickets, which is basically like you get a poster and you get to hang with me for like an hour cocktail situation. Because I find it hard. I want to like sit down and hang with people. And I was like, all right, let's just do that. Let's, you know, pay a little extra and, you know, we'll hang. And uh, by the way, all the money supports this podcast, which is once again, 100% independent. It is ad free at the moment. And you are supporting independent left comedy and politics and analysis and my um, hashtag career choices. Um, also, if you are a patron of the show, which is what you do if you really want to support this show is you become a patron, patreon.com slash bituation room. You are going to get not only 25%, 20% off our merchandise, excuse me, 20%. Well, um, but you're going to get a free ticket to the virtual show 
of the Bituation Room on March 10th. We have virtual tickets available for 10 bucks. You're going to get that free. You get that link so you can watch live if you can't be there in Brooklyn that night. But if you can, um, I am going to give you guys a code to get $10 off your tickets. So it is a huge perk. It definitely behooves you to become a patron. Why else? Because you get 10 to 15 to sometimes like 30 minutes of bonus content every single week. We always have a bonus bish. We have a bonus story. Today, this week, we're going to talk about cannabis stopping COVID. The stoners are like, see, I told you, bro. (laughs) Yeah, which, you know, a little stoner in me, the little 16-year-old who killed so many brain cells is like, hell yeah. Um. Anyway, so stick around for that and become a patron. $5, $10 gets you a shout out. Uh, $20 gets you uh, a free piece of merch every three months. I'm going to continue with this and say that we we do uh, AMAs every month, but I've stopped doing them for a while, but I'm going to be back on. So Tuesday, the 25th of January, let's do an AMA. Send me your guys' questions. Send me them to my inbox. Send me them to bitiation at gmail.com, um, which is where you can send all of your questions, concerns, grievances, et cetera, but also your questions for that AMA. I always have a lot of fun answering them. You guys are great. The patrons, once again, the sexiest people on the planet um, next to the people who aren't patrons, but listen to the show. So cool. We got a lot to get to. The 49ers won. I don't even like football, but I fucking stand the 49ers. So hell yeah, let's get to it, you guys. Um, As always, we start out every show with asking, what are you bitching about now? So this is a little bit of a bitch and a little bit of a celebration, but uh, I am both bitching about the way that Martin Luther King Jr.'s legacy is bastardized by the right and liberals combined. I'm sure we've all seen the anti-maskers wearing MLK Jr. shirts and be like, is it my time? Am I oppressed now? You know, like that. They're so excited. They think they're oppressed when we're really we're actually doing everything to prevent them from dying. Um, and uh, obviously that's ridiculous. And we're going to get to that a little bit later when a certain new governor um, has used MLK Jr.'s name in vain and his legacy in vain. But I'm also mad at liberals because liberals all the time love to talk about MLK Jr. Oh, the, you know. Uh, just the heroism. Amazing. Let's build statues. Let's make, you know, museums. And yet, and yet we can't even get basic voting rights enshrined and protected after, by the way, the entire Voting Rights Act was gutted. Remember that whole thing? Yeah. Like the, the thing that MLK Jr. and the civil rights movement fought for, that just completely hollowed out. It's basically, you know, it's, it's mostly tumbleweed at the this point in time. So I'm bitching about that. And I'm also bitching about the way that liberals misunderstand how radical MLK Jr. was. You know, he really was a year before his death. He fully called out, um, called out. He was like really big on canceling the Vietnam War, but he really did. He was openly adamant that the Vietnam War was was wrong. It was amoral. And also Things like capitalism were also immoral. So he called out capitalist exploitation, the ways, um, you know, warmongering and the U.S. empire said those words, specifically U.S. empire. 
and also kind of stuck it deliberately to liberals themselves who conveniently forget and moderates, right? Conveniently, conveniently forget all the times that he was like, you guys are the ones who are kind of fucking me here. So this was from his letter from Birmingham jail, which is obviously a very famous letter where he writes, I must confess that over the past few years, I've been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in his stride towards freedom is not the white citizens counselor or, or the KKK, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative a negative piece, which is the absence of attention to positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you and the goal you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods of direct action, who paternalistically believes that he can set the timetable for another man's freedom, who lives by a mythical concept of time, and who constantly advises the Negro to, quote, wait for a more convenient season. Shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than the absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. That is from his 1963 letter from Birmingham jail. Um, There you have it. I think we got a few lukewarmies in Congress these days who are going to be talking a big game when it comes to MLK's birthday and this week and what it means. But I want to follow that up with this concept of time. Um, I think Stanford University put this out and created this really nice graphic about, again, kind of the ways that in these moments, in these pivotal moments, we um, we sort of believe that like, ah, you know, things get better generally, maybe, you know, that, you know that progress. Uh, and they don't actually. So here he is talking about that concept of time. Well, I think that is an answer to that myth. And it is that time is neutral. It can be used either constructively or destructively. And I'm absolutely convinced that the forces of ill will in our nation, the extreme rightists in our nation, have often used time much more effectively than the forces of goodwill. And it may well be that we will have to repent in this generation, not merely for the vitriolic words of the bad people and the violent actions of the bad people, but for the appalling silence and indifference of the good people who sit around and say, wait on time. Somewhere we must come to see that social progress never rolls in on the wheels of inevitability. It comes through the tireless efforts and the persistent work of dedicated individuals. And without this hard work, time itself becomes an ally of the primitive forces of social stagnation. And so we must help time, and we must realize that the time is always right to do right. Mm. We must help time. I really, 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 really like that. Um, And look, we're in a moment um, where the right has absolutely, as MLK just said, they've made very good use of their time. It's very easy when your goal is just fascist corporate authoritarianism. Like that's it's tight. You're just like, oh, hell yeah, I know exactly how to do that. Forging some sort of, um, you know, multiracial, anti-racist democracy is different. 
And it does take a lot of work. And we have to continue that work. Um, I hear whispers that Biden may run some executive orders when it comes to the criminal justice system. I sure as shit hope so, because we have not seen his ability to convince those lukewarm centrists who may or may not be himself. I would argue that he he also is one of those um, sort of uh, comfortable moderates who tells people to wait. Right. That's what he ran on. We'll see. Let's hope he takes some of these lessons to heart. And with that, I want to welcome for the hour my two guests. They are the hosts of the podcast Dumb Gay Politics. Please welcome Julie Goldman and Brandy Howard. <laughs> yeah, You're welcome. You get the stand-up <laughs> intro on this show. Thank you so much. We're we're so happy to be with you. Oh yeah, God. thanks for having us. Thank you for being here, you guys. Um, obviously, you saw what I was sort of bitching about celebrating, but I have to ask every guest when they come on, what are you bitching about? What's going on? It's second week of the new year. Mm. What's crawled up your ass and died? Well, that's a different conversation. <laughs> but and by the way, quite a few things. Quite a few things. I mean, we have been Let's having IBS. judge what each so, yeah. to its own. <laughs> Well, it's kind of, I mean, we, we are obviously, we're nonstop bitching about um, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, but we're not, we're going to wait for that. That's really our thing that's bugging. But um, what you did was brilliant. Honestly, we're going to have to steal that for our podcast. That quote was um, amazing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely amazing. Well, but we talk about it all I the wrote time. It. Yeah. I wrote it myself. So. Yeah, you yeah. did. You and, his and we're going to credit you. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Now, I think what we're sort of bitching at, to piggyback on that, is the white um, uh, not paying attentioner, which many of them are moderates. Yeah. We have too many people, that, and whether they're the liberal or the moderate or whatever they think they are, they aren't paying attention. Yeah. And they're, and I am here. We used to be on a show on Bravo. We watch a lot of reality TV. And I feel like Andy Cohen, if, I don't know if you guys know who that is, but he needs to pick up the slack. And he needs to start having liberal and Democrat politicians on his show, all of the talk show hosts on every major network. Yeah. They talk about politics. They don't shy away. And he is super liberal. He's super active in politics, but he doesn't bring it on that show. And he has a show, Watch What Happens Live. And then he has a serious, um, a channel on Sirius. And um, he's, I think he needs to start raising awareness about our candidates, our, our Congress members. All these people in QAnon, they know who their Congress representatives are. <laughs> they know every single person that's being primaried and running on the Republican that's Party. Right. We were at a fundraiser the other two nights ago for the hottest guy in Congress, Eric Swalwell. I mean, <laughs> that's just our opinion. But I don't know. I put John Ossoff above him. But, you know. Oh. That's right. We'll have it. We'll say in the House. Got it. In got it. House. Got it. Yes. And there's people there who were giving money and they were and they were liberals and they were great, but like they didn't even know who he was. And it's like he yeah. you can't if he I mean if you can't pay attention to the hottest guy in Congress and in the house. Exactly. He's trying so hard. I mean swall swolwell really is what we call him. Um yeah. no, I think that's I love the idea that I think a lot of people are like, no, like separation of church and state, separation of uh, you know, entertainment and politics. There's people drive a very hard line. And what what we do is trying to break that down. But like, and kind of like, we're, we're at a moment where I think you can't ignore it anymore. And you don't have to come down on one side, just have politicians on a little bit more. You right? do. 
I think that you do. Oh, you do. I think oh, yeah. That you do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm all for go to your family dinner, go to your, I don't care, the th three things you shouldn't talk about at dinner are religion, politics, and money. And I'm like, those are the only three things, first of all, that you should be talking about. And the first thing we should be talking about is politics and take a side and stand by it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Take a, like, hugely stand by your side. It's just like the quote that you, you that, that you, the aired. Right. It's like, no more, we can't pussyfoot around. And if you are into Trump or if you're into like, not like rights and stuff, and that's your thing, then fine. No, it's, but we, we have, we have a Patreon and we, and we don't do politics on our Patreon. And we have people, people that we love, of course, because anyone who gives us money, we obviously love them. Sure. But it's like, it's they'll go, well, I just do your Patreon and I don't, um, we, I don't do the regular one. Really? So I, just, I don't want to hear I don't want to hear about politics. It's just too stressful for me. And I don't know who anyone is. And Julie just said it best when she said, at this point, everybody needs to pick a side and they need to know because now we're dealing straight up with our rights. Yeah. Again. Yeah. For, we could I all mean, be to sleep during Obama, but now we all need to wake back up. We needed to during Trump and we yeah. need to stay awake because our rights are We're being dealing threatened. with a group of people who would watch you die in a ditch. Yes. They would literally <laughs> watch you die in a ditch. Yeah. So I want people to get <laughs> angry and fight just like they fight. No, you're you're right. I mean, I take it back on like, I mean, no Republican would actually go I mean, I'm on not Bravo. No, no, no. But I think yeah. you're right. And like someone like Andy Cohen who has like he can totally dictate what he and who he interviews and what he says. Like he's like a cash cow for them. You know, they love him. Yeah. So I I, I felt that yeah. way about Beyonce before. Like I used to really I had a, like a 180. I love Destiny's Child. Then I really didn't like Beyonce because I was like, why aren't you using your platform to say fucking anything about what's going on? You know, you were like untouchably, you know, famous. And then she released, you know, Lemonade. And I oh, was yeah. like, fuck, you know, and it was great. <laughs> She's on top of a yeah. cop car drowning. And I was like, I yeah. take it back. You're God. No, obviously not. Yeah. Um, but you're right. And then she, then she did do it. Right. And it's like, I don't know. I really want him to you got to get all of these people drowning in housewives to pay attention. And I put ourselves in that. It's like, I didn't know anything. I would get a panic attack when we were on Bravo. I would, and that was during Obama. I would be like, God forbid anyone stop me. Like on a, like on a, a like a, like a sketch show. And they're like, but I mean like in where there's like a, like, where it's like the tonight show. Yeah. Like, like who's, who's the vice president. And then and like, 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 I'm like, I <laughs> can't think of it. Right. I'm Van sure. Buren. Yeah. Terry Bradshaw. Hillary Clinton. I mean, <laughs> right. Like people walking around and they don't know. I mean, and we had to relearn it all. Or, uh, I should say, learn it. <laughs> like we had to be like, how do bills get passed? Yeah. And how many people are in Congress? Yeah, and yeah. how does that work? And you don't have to know that deeply of stuff, but we have to be paying attention as much as their Facebook army is paying attention. Yeah. yeah. And we have to, I, I do also think that we need to be, it's not respect. That's not the word I'm thinking of. But I think that one of our fatal flaws is the continuation, the, con the continuing undermining of not just the Republican Party, but of the QAnons and the cuckoos and they're crazy and they're Trumpers and it's just whatever and where you don't have to. But no, but we do. Mm -hmm. And we should be paying attention to Fox News and we should be paying attention to what they're saying and what they're doing because they're they're winning. Yes. In my in my opinion. No, they're they they fucking are. And like I guess the last thing I'll say on this is you're right about, you know, it I think what's interesting what's happening now is that under Obama, like, especially with, you know, the, the passage of gay marriage and o Oberfeld versus Hodges and like some of the ways that we felt like, oh, OK, we're never going back from before that. Like we're getting, you know, we've got abortion rights enshrined kind of, um, you know, Rose probably not going anywhere. Like it felt like it was we were advancing. And I think now um, 
it's very clear that like rights that folks felt like were already protected are definitely in the crosshairs. And oh. that's good. I mean, I think we all know like the feminist movement has a class problem. And, you know, I think a lot of women who only focus on reproductive rights kind of move on after they thought that their rights were protected and now they're not. And it's like, well, look, you know, for most people of color in this country, their rights in other ways have been stripped from them. And even with the right to have an abortion, like there's so many barriers even with that. Um, so it's good. We're kind of all in the same muck now. So I, I'd say Andy Cohen, get the fuck here in our muck. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but we yeah. reach, yeah, reach that audience reach that audience hell yeah all right uh well i'm gonna move on because we got a lot to get to so much happened this week uh and i conveniently closed down the window that i needed <laughs> oh my god uh, no we got uh, a lot to get to so this was the week where prince andrew was uh, literally booted oh. from the castle as the house of windsor stripped him of royal titles in reaction to the sexual assault charges by a trafficked victim of Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, this means he'll now have to face the lawsuit as a private citizen and will now merely be referred to as Ewy Drewy. Um, <laughs> not your Royal Highness, just Ewy Drewy. The Department of Justice brought sedition and conspiracy charges against 10 members of the Oath Keepers over their role in January 6th, including its leader, Stuart Rhodes, who is a Yale Law graduate who in advent of the day uh, spent $33,000 on weapons. But please tell me more about how Trump voters are working class. Uh, Russia is threatening to invade Ukraine again. And if, Na if NATO does not stop its eastward expansion, in order to calm tensions, Joe Biden is currently digging up dirt on himself uh, to try and hand over to the Russians. He's really... Um, 50 actors and directors have signed a statement in support of actress Emma Watson after she faced calls of anti-Semitism for making a free oh. Palestine Instagram post, including actors Gael Garcia Bernal, Viggo Mortensen, and Mark Ruffalo. Um, I'm not sure if this is an open letter or my horny search history. Um, <laughs> and more than 8,000 Kroger's workers are on strike to demand better pay. And if you weren't sure that the class war was real, know that CEO Rodney McMullen made $22.4 million in 2022. Yes, we will eat the rich with Kroger's mayo. For everything else, this is The Week Where. Okay, so this was where uh, private equity douche turned Republican governor of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, was sworn in just this weekend. And he immediately introduced 11 executive orders. Uh, first executive order, abolish critical race theory from schools. Second executive order, abolish masks from schools. That is unless the mask covers your entire head and is white and is pointy on the top. Uh, in that case, the second executive order in order to enforce, enforce the first one. Um, so Yunkin also discussed the need to eliminate critical race theory, which somehow he thinks exists in schools, using once again Martin Luther King's legacy. Take a look. We're not going to teach our children to view everything through a lens of race. Yes, we will teach all history, the good and the bad, because we can't know where we're going unless we know where we have come from. But to actually teach our children that one group is advantaged and another is disadvantaged simply because of the color of their skin cuts across everything we know to be true. 
And the immortal words of Dr. Martin Luther King ring in our ears that we must judge one another by the content of our character and not the color of our skin. But this is what will be the founding principle of our executive order, what we're going to do in Virginia schools. Wow. Wow. (laughs) An educator. An educator. Mm. He must be. Yeah, no, we're going to teach history. Mm-hmm. I love that Republicans think racism in America works like the movie A Quiet Place. You know, like, if it doesn't hear you, you don't have to do equal pay. You know, like, <laughs> just shh. You know, like, the, the actual problem is talking about it. Because we all know that the number one cause of problems is talking about the problems. Yeah, you can't, first of all, you can't talk about the problem because then there's a problem. Yeah. So we can't totally actually acknowledge the problem. And uh, you know what I mean? That's really problematic of you to raise. (laughs) Yes. I'm sorry. I mean, you're right. I would be problematic to raise that. There would be a problem in order for us to talk about the problem. They also just in general, I just want to say Glenn Youngkin just showed the perfect example of how Republicans and white male grievance people, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) Spin and twist the words of not just Martin Luther King Jr., but any any like marginalized people or minority or an actual person who has had their rights stripped or not given at all. And they then put themselves in that like and they are masters at doing it. They 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 really are. He They're really good at it. The, he made it sound like. We shouldn't, you know, judge a person by the content of the of the or whatever of their skin and the content of the character. It's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, that relates to me, um, and I'm white. I'm I'm like that, and people then believe that and follow it. Yeah, it's insane. It's it's. We knew that all those dick fucks were going to run on critical race theory. We've known. I mean, we've all known, and it's working like a charm. And really, the sad thing for us was that Megan McCain left the View because we could not wait for her to have to show up and answer for. Ugh. I want could not wait for her to talk about critical race yeah. theory. How is she going to get around yeah. being a rotted Republican <laughs> yeah. with that going on? It, yeah. it is the most disgusting, divisive issue. And the fact that they're all running on it everywhere. And they've made it an issue into things that you teach in school. It's not even a thing. It's not even, it was in law school. It's not even It was a something thing. literally created in a law environment. And now all of a sudden critical race theory is like, we're teaching our children. That there, and also, <laughs> when did you ever care about your children? Yeah, you, you hate exactly. your, you children. Cared you, about your children. You want them to die. Yeah. You want them to be hospitalized with COVID uh, <laughs> and kill your parents. Yeah. No, yeah, seriously. Megan McCain, first of all, would have definitely handled that fine. She would have just, you know, <laughs> just pull up the weird, like My Little Pony hairstyle a little harder, a little tighter. She would probably do that. Mm-hmm. Megan McCain would would talk about how critical race theory is a problem in white cornrows. Like I have no yes. doubt. Like, <laughs> just in the same breath. Um, yes, and that's why yes. we love Megan McCain. Yes, <laughs> I mean that's why we miss and I, love honestly, Megan McCain. Can't even watch the View now. I mean that's really it's the news of the week. That's it's yeah. Trash. Glenn Youngkin should have gone on and been like, "Sorry, you can't watch the View anymore, everybody." Yeah, um, um, real sorry about it. I I do feel like the irony of all this is that when with the critical race theory stuff is like they all just kind of need critical race theory to solve their problem. Like if they only had a little bit more CRT, maybe they wouldn't be so afraid of CRT. Cause the whole thing is the idea that like individual people are racist and the right still doesn't get, they still don't get that. Like, look, it's not that, you know, someone is judging you, 
by the color of their skin or by your skin. It's because you actually pay a judge to judge people. Like the judges in this country, the justices do that for you. It's structural. You know, it's not individual. They think it's like, yeah. right. Yeah. Ugh. Right. And, but, and, and there do think there's a way. And if they wanted to make critical race theory, like critical race theory, law, critical race theory, elementary school, they, I think there is truly a way to do it to teach. It'd be the same thing as teaching boys not to rape. Like it's teaching, it's teaching your place, your, who you are, what your role has been in history and is now, how you can be seen. What is your responsibility as a white person? These things have been burdened on you, even if you're a five-year-old and you didn't mean for it to happen, whatever. It's still part of the structure. Right. So how are we going to work differently? You're not trying to be better or less than anyone else, but let's start seeing each other in the within the structure of which you, we've been created. Yeah. It's did you guys see there's um there are now student groups popping up of like banned book clubs where they're like getting together to read all the books that the parents at their schools are banning because they like center a like gay and or black person and they're just like oh get it oh out of here God. but now they're reading, we live in which is, we live in burbank uh, and i just read that they're doing it in burbank the burning they're getting they're getting the banned books we didn't even know they banned any the books in burbank i'm horrified books. that they called i'm I like know. what why are we doing that in burbank i mean banning books <laughs> yep i mean what year what are, where are where, we where are we where? banning books where the fuck are we i thought they haven't uh, we have a listener who lives in in ohio and she's a little girl and they have been having all of these school board nightmares in ohio and you know and they're all getting super violent and everything she said they don't teach critical race theory in any school even like in ohio but all they're all running on it they don't teach it anywhere well it's the same way that you know like sort of statistically the most maga counties who like were moved by the idea of building the wall are the farthest from the border and actually are the least diverse. So there was, I remember the study, it's like, it's not a fear. It's not a fear that you're actually living. It's not a reality you're living. It's a fear of maybe this will one day be my reality. Whereas when people Mm. have taco trucks on every corner, so to speak, like life is great and everything's (laughs) actually cool. (laughs) Um, So it's, yeah, it is. It's all weird projection. Last, I want to ask you guys what you think. You know, Terry McAuliffe, who lost to Glenn Youngkin, really tried to run this negative campaign against him, being like, Youngkin is a Trumper. He, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, Youngkin may, he he is a Trumper. He just tried to distance himself from Trump. Do you feel like we learned lessons from that race? Um, I know a lot of people were making a big deal. Others were not. But do you feel like we there was a lesson to be learned from that loss that, like, Democrats, for me, I'm like, did Democrats just... Did we double down on the anti-Trump shit without actually projecting yes. a vision? You know? I, yes. Well, I thought the problem yes, was that he so. said specifically about critical race theory. He said um, the other dude. What was his name? McAuliffe. Yeah. McAuliffe. I thought he said, we're not going to have parents coming in telling All our right, teachers tell- what they right, can teach. And I right. thought that was Ugh. where they everyone else. I mean, I didn't care. I mean, I don't. I just don't care. But um, everyone else was like, that's where that's where it all fell apart. You're not going to tell me what I'm teaching my children. Even Democratic parents were like, yeah, no, that's exactly what I actually want to do. Right. Well, that's what the parents are involved whatever. God, the pandemic really ruined parents. I mean, with all due to all the parents out there. 
But it's like they're up. That's what she said when she said, you know, they don't care. You don't even care about your kids. It's like, since when are dads? I swear my dad oh, was that like, come what on. grade are you in again? I mean, right. you know. Yes, yeah, so And you're there with a gun on your hip at the PTA <laughs> meeting or whatever having talking the- about, I'm here for my son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I like exactly having them like throw masks into a bonfire. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's abuse wearing these masks. It's abuse. It's abusive. It's a, I, it's, I, but to, to, uh, to answer to your yeah, question, yeah. I do think it goes back to sort of what we had said at the beginning. Democrats have got to cut the shit. They have to start to listen and understand how to talk to the, this other side, which is owning us, mm-hmm. owning us. And we aren't. We're pretending we're the ones with our head in the sand. We're the ones pretending that we're better than them. We're eating our own. We're talking shit within our own party and within liberalism because one person misgendered someone else or whatever. It doesn't matter. What matters is getting talking the right, finding the way to talk to this side and to understand and learn the lesson that anti-Trump, anti-Trump, anti-Trump isn't enough. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Totally. Um, Speaking of trash Democrats, uh, this was the week where the centrist on centrist crime and the Democratic Party continued as Joe Biden finally publicly called for filibuster reform to pass voting rights. And then almost simultaneously, the Senate's uh, mom from Mean Girls, Kirsten Sinema, stood (laughs) on the floor and gave an impassioned defense of said filibuster. And I strongly support and will continue to vote for legislative responses to address these state laws, including the Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act that the Senate is currently considering. The debate over the Senate's 60 vote threshold shines a light on our broader challenges. There's no need for me to restate my long-standing support for the 60 vote threshold to pass legislation. There's no need for me to restate its role protecting our country from wild reversals in federal policy. It is a view I've held during my years serving in both the U.S. House and the Senate, and it is the view I continue to hold. Except that is bullshit, and we've all seen the clip of Kirsten Cinema talking about how the filibuster needs to be done away with and used strategically in the ways that Mitch McConnell did. Don't you feel like you watch that and you're like, it's so performative, I feel like her corporate donors are like in the audience with an iPad going mm-hmm. like, yes, yeah. baby, that's my girl. <laughs> yes. Oh, we're just so filled the with hate. Level. There's just so much hate in her heart the for her. Level. It's just, it's, it's. And we hate her. Guts. I mean, we, well, first of all, we already thought she was a thirst bucket to the stars. Yes. She's so thirsty and annoying yes. from minute one from yes. jump lurking with her stupid outfits and her stupid purse. And it's like, have some respect. Yeah. I mean, and then when she did the thumbs down. That was it. Of, and, that was it. And bitch, that you're going to thumbs down raising the minimum wage. You can literally, I D- mean, we can't even say. We won't even say it. do it. We won't even. I don't, I mean, I don't probably have any get sponsors. Ar- we'd, we'd probably get arrested. <laughs> I feel like what it's saying it is legal. But I do need her to get like slapped, dick slapped with like a thousand dicks. Oh, yeah. That. She needs to die in a pool of dicks for sure. Yeah. Well, she's yeah. bisexual. But she was, uh... <laughs> I love it. No. Yeah. Not only can we just like appreciate the fact that not only did she thumbs down the $15 minimum wage, but the it was surrounded by tapping Mitch McConnell on the shoulder, a curtsy, and she was yeah. wearing a fucking mini backpack. And like a little, yeah. like a little skirt that I don't, some weird vintage skirt. And I think maybe also a wig. Like there was <laughs> so much happening 
Is that backpack filled with jizz? She looks so <laughs> dumb when she did that curtsy. It was like just, just. Oh, I mean, we were, and that I, that was. We I, didn't think it could get worse than that. I wanted to call up the headquarters for LGBTQ and be like, "You need to fucking fire this bitch." Send <laughs> it. I am. I cannot handle it. I cannot handle it. She is such a. I can't. But, even, that, but don't but you that feel- goes back to the earlier bitching, which mm, is that mm. this is what I think with people not. And I, I mean, I'm saying it literally with, with, as someone who was, who wasn't informed and who loved to just be like, oh, I don't, I'm in the middle and I just don't want to, and I just don't want to deal mm-hmm. and I don't want to pay attention. Mm-hmm. And I feel stupid because I don't know anything and I don't want to bother doing the research and no one's good looking on the news and blah, blah, blah. But so I understand those people. I do. I get it. It's stressful. It's easier to just watch reality TV. But the thing is, is that she lied and I believe, we believe she lied and said she was bisexual. She exploited that. In Arizona, and and I believe that we know a lot of people, a lot of people who moved to Arizona in the pandemic. Really, like liberal, like like you like, know, we like, want more COVID. Like where? <laughs> yeah, they they it's it's less expensive. It's less expensive. Yes, they got out of California because they, well, they left California. Yeah. That's where. Yeah, it's either Austin, right. if you're right. like an edge lord, yeah, Rogan yeah. lover, or yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess Arizona. No, yeah. Arizona's great. There's some amazing grassroots organizing that happens there too um and they did get they those people elected they elected her you know and my, they feel yeah. lied to yeah they feel like and too. the other people that will show up maybe perhaps probably not because who goes to midterm elections anymore but hopefully if people do show up they are informed because if they're not they're gonna vote for her again and no one wants her there they need to get her out i mean she fools like my mother and my mother's lady friends who play bridge and wanted to make sure good Democrats got voted. My mother lives in Boston. Apparently, meanwhile, they're having bridge games with the ladies at the temple, sending money to Kirsten Cinema. And like, yeah, she. Lo- and now my mom yeah. literally is the first one who's going to run down there and be like, "I have a bag of dicks, <laughs> and I'm dumping them on your I'm stupid on your fucking head." head. Well, like, <laughs> so there is someone that some that people in Arizona are trying to encourage to run, which is uh, Representative Ruben Gallegos, and here's what he oh, had yeah, to Ruben. say to you know cinema's entire sort of you know f- dramatic defense of the filibuster oh. and how important it is as a senate rule because it like protects minority rule let's be honest take a look so right now there is an existential threat to democracy and this excuse that she's using that it may get worse is not true it is worse this is the dark times and she needs to step up help us pass the voting rights you don't even have to get rid of the filibuster make the exception to the voting rights act much like you just made the exception to the filibuster two weeks ago to raise the debt limit exactly yeah. and that's how you know she's a lying sack of shit <laughs> yeah things are already bad don't you want to undo the bad stuff like no because mm, i i don't know no well if we do then in a year who the, and that's a lie too just the whole thing about then if we get rid of the filibuster then this party will overtake that party and we'll never da, da, da. they're just mitch mcconnell would get rid of the presidency if he thought it would help oh, the yeah. Republican Party. So it's it's utterly it, it's just look be, having a person look you straight in the eye and 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 lie to you that they're doing something that's good for you while they reach up inside you and pull out <laughs> your soul, your vagina stuff. Yeah, you're, yeah. yeah. And I know that 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 their site, the Republicans, they will they are voting people out who just simply and we're talking about representatives. I mean Kirsten Cinema is a, she's a senator, so that's even 
easier to pay attention to, mm -hmm. but they're literally going and, and mobilizing and organizing to vote people out who simply just voted for the impeachment. Right. And it's yes, like, right. they are so well informed and they're, yeah. they're able to target whether it's through Facebook or their dumb podcasts or whatever it is, they're able to, to mobilize and target their, their base. Yeah, like the things that they want so much better than Democrats. And yeah. it sucks. I mean, it's, yeah. it sucks to lose. What's interesting, I want to move to a, just one piece that came out in the Times this week. You know, we've been talking about, you know, obviously corporate Democrats, centrist Democrats like cinema, like Mansion, And, you know, no matter where you stand, it seems in the Republic in the Democratic Party, there's a consensus that, yeah, there is no messaging that they've lost the thread and that, you know, it is. It's not going well. Um, this is uh, obviously Bernie Sanders saying we're not going to win elections in 2022 unless our base is energized and ordinary people understand what we're fighting for and how we're different than Republicans. That's not the case, he said. I think many Americans, millions of Americans have become demoralized and they're asking, what do Democrats stand for? Clearly, the current strategy is failing and we need a major course correct. Now, it's not just Bernie Sanders, Tim Ryan. Uh, of, of Ohio is basically he's saying, look, the Biden administration is not able to pass his domestic agenda, but also there's a lack of clear public health guidance around masking and testing, which we're going to get into later in the show. He said the Democrats can't get out of their own way. The Democrats have got to do a better job of being clear on what they're trying to do. And this is in a week where um, child tax credits uh, expanded thanks to Democrats. Um, huge win under the American Families Plan as soon as Biden came into office and we were like all like, holy shit, you know? I know Brandy and I agree, don't, parents are fucking trifling, but they've been with money <laughs> now. Like imagine when parents don't get that money anymore. Like it's such an easy win. And so this is Tim Ryan again. He was like about the um, ch uh, child tax credits running out. He said, it's about as straightforward as it gets. If Democrats can't get on with a tax cut for working families, what are we for? That's why we have to kick them out of the party. But that's the but the Democrats <laughs> are for all that. It's Joe Manchin and yeah. Kirsten Cinema, and this is one of the things that drives me crazy. Joe Biden is the one who put those bills in front of people. Right. He has said exactly what he wants. Kamala Harris has said what she wants. Every Democrat votes for it, except for Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin. The, and so I, I'm not down with this whole thing of like Democrats. You, uh, that we hate them. But at the yeah, same time, you know, yelling at you. you know, there yeah. are there. Uh. I agree with you, Julie, but I do think that like there are other Democrats who are, you know, Kirsten Cinema and Manchin are running cover for them. You know, other sort of corporate friendly Democrats who do not want to see things that are in the Build Back Better plan passed. Maybe who also get fossil fuel money, but they're kind of like on the hush hush, you know? Who are we talking about? Yeah. I mean, the, the other one from Arizona, that other guy, he's kind of like that too. Isn't he Republican? No, he's Democrat. Remember the guy from the, he's a pilot or something? The astronaut? Yeah, him. <laughs> he's a sort of, well, he's supposedly, the all astronauts undercover. are reliant on fossil <laughs> yeah. fuels. We know yeah. that. Um, he's an undercover, like, he's, did they vote no against? He, he, these people, they say that there's like a handful of them. They say they'll vote if they have all the votes. Yeah. But if they don't have all the votes, then they're like, I'm well, and why don't they have all the votes? Yeah, Kirsten Cinema yeah. and Joe Manchin. True. So yes. ultimately, no, I I understand what you're saying. I do, and I I'm I do, and we I've constantly am frustrated with Democrats and the fucking let's work together. Just all of it. <laughs> it's it's, but it comes down. But there is there is a thing though where what we are doing and what the media and some of us at times get sucked into is taking down and this this idea that 
if Biden needs to do a better job, but what would you have him do? Hmm. Not you, let's say, but what are we talking about? It's easy to criticize without constantly pointing and, and specifically going like, uh, for me, it's Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. I know that if they voted yes on X, Y, Z, every single thing that we want would be passing through. Mm -hmm. So without them, what are we talking about? I think that it's now in Biden's court. And I want to bring in my next guest because I think he'll have some ideas about specifically when it comes to the pandemic and given the roadblocks put up by SCOTUS, what can someone with presidential executive powers do right now to ensure our safety? This is The Sitch. And joining me, he is a writer and a public health researcher at Brown University. Please welcome Abdullah Shihipar. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Um, we're chilling. Just like, whatever. <laughs> um, I I wanted to bring you into this discussion because I think that Julie raises a good point about sort of you know the the hard place that Biden's own party has put him in to say nothing of the far right. Um, but you have been writing about public health. Um, you, you're a public health researcher. We need your expertise and brains. And especially when this week, a story that we didn't talk about, but SCOTUS blocking any kind of testing or vaccine mandates for workers, affecting like 84 million American workers, um, saying OSHA has no jurisdiction, that this is not an occupational hazard. Um you know, utterly ridiculous. You got Neil Gorsuch, who doesn't even wear a fucking mask. Two of the lawyers who argued this case, before I kick it to you, Abdullah, remind everyone, they had COVID. They were arguing that it's not an occupational hazard, and yet they were home with COVID themselves. I mean, this is the bonkers hall, like house of mirrors we live in. But um, what's your reaction to just that, this, this SCOTUS's action this week? So obviously it's disappointing. Um, the obviously the vaccine and testing mandate was important, uh, but while I am disappointed, I'm not despairing at all because well, I mean, <laughs> it is disappointing and it is despairing. However, there is what the Supreme Court did not close the door to, and there was a good op-ed in the New York Times by. Um, David Michaels and Jordan Brar, who headed OSHA in the, I think, um, in the Obama administration. And in the Supreme Court's own, like uh, the majority opinion, what they said was that you could issue a risk-based standard for cramped and crowded environments where COVID was, would be, uh, would be uh, an occupational risk. And so what we have demanded, the vaccine and testing mandate has kind of been the bar, the, 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 the basically the, the floor, right? What we have wanted is we will have wanted an emergency temporary standard that would cover all workers and, you know, crowded and cramped environments as most workers, um, that would cover all workers uh, and address things that, you know, like ventilation, address things like uh, how many people can be in the building, address, address things like, you know, how do you, masking, et cetera. How do you reduce the, the, how do you make these physical environments safer for people, workers? Because the vaccine and testing mandate is good, but 
ultimately it does put the emphasis more on the employee right. than it does to to comply with these mandates than it does the employer that's not to say that they're not necessary mm. but it's just it's to say that you know there is a way forward and i would like to see the biden administration come back and revise put out a new emergency temporary standard um, that covers all workers um that addresses these more holistic parts that address beyond just emergency like temporary standards that they would have to comply by given the pandemic. Yes, and it, I should add that like, you know, um, the emergency temporary standard for healthcare workers, that expired. Um, that was in place and that expired. And so that is no longer in place for, for, for even healthcare workers who, you know, have this occupational risk um, of being surrounded by the virus. All and the Supreme Court did say uh, that that was okay. It was okay to vaccine and mm -hmm. uh, test or vaccine mandate and test healthcare workers. Uh, it was th the one thing that we can thank, you know, Keg Stan Kavanaugh for, I guess. Um, you, you know, beyond that, beyond the emergency standards, what else could the Biden administration do? What you, you wrote a whole piece about how we are still approaching the pandemic on an individual level and sort of shaming individuals to get vaccinated, which like I'm on board for, but there is so much more on a federal level yeah. that can be done. You know, Biden's even said, this is not a federal thing. This is not, there's no federal solution. He literally said those words. Mm -hmm. What's your response yeah. to something like that? So I think what I always like to preface the conversation is like there is medicine and then there's public health, right? Medicine is you treat the individual, you take a drug, whatever, you're only talking about your own personal health. Then there's public health, where, which is like a population level me metric, right? You have to, and in that sense, you literally cannot individualize yourself out of a pandemic. You can't treat it like one by one by one by one. And I, and I mean that both in the in, the, in, in our sense, where we have a country of partially vaccinated people, and but also globally, right? You can have a high vaccinated country, and then you can have countries that aren't vaccinated, and it doesn't doesn't really matter. And so, I mean, not that it doesn't matter. The pandemic doesn't doesn't end. So essentially, what you have to do in is you have to control the spread of the disease, whatever way that is. So there's vaccines, but then there's obviously, you know, masking, there's, there's a lot of testing involved. There's there's um, ventilation. Ventilation is really important, like upgrade, <laughs> upgrading the air that, I mean, cleaning the air that we, that mm -hmm. we live in. Um, and of course, there's, there's, you know, distancing and, and, and all the like. So until, you know, I think predominantly how we talk about in the last couple of months, how we talk about the pandemic is it saves you from going to the hospital or it saves you from dying. So in the a very vaccine, individual right? terms. Just, yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. So the problem with that is like, if you're in a high vaccinated area and you're a vulnerable person, so let's say you're an under five um, child, or let's say you are um, who have lower risk, but we'll get into that. Um, somewhat lower risk. My, my we'll dad is uh, has zero antibodies because he went through chemo earlier in the right. pandemic, so he's like, yeah, immunocompromised yeah. people, people who 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 are um, who have a disability or who, are, like you said, like your dad who who went through certain treatments, and so. When you're in an environment of high, high spread, which unfortunately due to Omicron, like, I don't know how to pronounce it, <laughs> um, due to the new variant is much of the country, these people then are now put at risk, right? And that's where vaccine, vaccination kind of helped is that you had lots of people kind of, uh, 
the collective protection that is offered by vaccines reduces the spread and then protects everyone, protects these vulnerable people. And so when we talk about, for example, under five children, right, people are like, oh, well, kids aren't high risk. But, you know, if you take a fraction, right, if you, if you take a fraction and you increase the number on the bottom, right, and you, if you, the more you increase, let's say you have like 20%, right, like, or like, I don't know, let's say the number is 10%, it's mm -hmm. not that high. But let's say you have a 10% number and you increase the number at the bottom, the number at the top also goes up. So that's why you're seeing a lot of children ending up in the hospital because a lot of children are getting infected. The total, the amount of percentage of children who, you know, will have severe outcomes is very low, but because you have uncontrolled spread, um, yeah you end up having these issues with the hospital. So that's just, that's the, that's just the reason why you can't individualize your, yourself in a pandemic. What we would want from the Biden administration, and this is com there's complete consensus in the field of public health in terms of people I talk to in terms of the rank and file, is just an acknowledgement that the pandemic is going on beyond like get vaccinated, get boosted. There has been a complete resistance to go back to that sort of collective level, just talking about mm. messaging even. We can get into all the stuff they can do, but there's a, a, a palpable amount of anger that the, that the administration is not taking the pandemic seriously. Even from his own ranks, I just want to say this week, I believe, um, people who were his former health advisors actually spoke out and said, look, we need to treat the pandemic as something that's here to stay. And what are we going to do with that knowledge? That's something that we cannot completely eradicate. That doesn't mean to say that ah, you're going to get sick, whatever, blah. And it definitely doesn't mean that nah, go back to work after five days. Nah. It means like, what are the other mitigating factors? What are the other things we can do to help people knowing how rapid the spread is, knowing how this will and could continue. Sad to say, it sucks. I wish there was a light at the end of the tunnel, but we don't deserve it, do we? We don't really deserve it as Americans. Um, I, I, you know, I do want to say though, Biden has said he's doubling the COVID nineteen testing kits. They're apparently going to be online and available in like three days. We'll see. Um, that N ninety five masks are going to be distributed to the public. He's deploying a thousand military medics. Uh, to hospitals around the country. What about the National Defense Production Act? Do, do, how does public health work into that um, at all? So those, so those are important components, right? The 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 National Defense Production Act should be used to up to um, you know improve improve up the production of masks and tests and all the like. But what we're missing is we're missing like a coordinated strategy here from the federal government in terms of piecing these things all together. These things all happen in reaction, right? Oh, we need to send, people are like, we need masks, we need to send free, so they're like, okay, we'll send free masks. But well, we're just only gonna send a couple masks. And then, oh, free tests, we're gonna send you four tests, right? And so what we, which four tests per household is like, that's not that much. Which might, so, by the way, not to what, brag, we did go to a super spreader and we sent away for the test and we only got one and we got it a million years after we probably already were over having COVID. So it doesn't even right. really get pan out that well. I love how you, they do you said it. you went to a super spreader. Like it was like, no big deal. It was like a VIP yeah. event. Like you went to a super spreader. Uh, yeah. It was a VIP super spreader. Yeah. It was. <laughs> and then we couldn't get a test and everyone else had it. Somehow. And then we couldn't get our hands on a test. And we did the thing where they said they'd send it to you. And they said we thought we would get at two, least two. But we got one and it came. It so I was like, like just weeks. throw it away. Just kidding. We kept it. But we haven't taken it now. We don't it's know. Like, I peed on it and I'm yeah. pregnant. <laughs> Right. So it's like Can four tests are still not even enough. 
Yeah, and it's it's all in reaction, right? It feels like the, the for me the it feels like the Biden administration is is chasing a past that is not there anymore, and um, they're chasing the like the, the sort of summer period in which you know vaccines were more protective, but we still had a bunch of people dying. Um, and so, what I would like to see is I would like to see a complete like acknowledgement and a reset, almost right that we have to almost. Like we we have to live with the pandemic as people are saying, not, or like live with the virus as people are saying. And what does that mean? How do we uh, give people the tools to protect themselves? How do we give people the tools to people who have to work in prison? Like what do sh what should they do to protect themselves at work? How can we assist them? Like issuing that temporary standard guidance. And public health in America is underfunded and it's near collapse because we don't have the amount of people like the departments like right now they because of the spread is so high there's only so much they can do and there's only so much they can do and say and they feel undercut by an administration that is not really that doesn't really figure know its own messaging yeah. around the pandemic and one thing that i would like to see really quickly is like keep just go back to the what you promised in your campaign plan as a start like the president promised a hundred thousand public health workers, um, which we would love, right? We would, and we would love, which we would need to really get these things out to people and reach every person in the country, um, or as many people in the country as possible. Um, that's one start. There's just really not an acknowledgement that this is a gargantuan, like, traumatic event on the like level of the Great Depression, the Civil War. It's just like, let's just get. Get get. Let's just get this over with and, and go through. So that's is a you know, like lack of strategy. And so there's so many things that Biden administration should do. Let's start with like an, an, an like an acknowledgement that what we're doing right now. Yeah, rather than a well, we have to get back to normal. Let's keep society running as. Dr. Fauci has been saying, which is um, really actually depressing as shit, to be honest with you. Um, but what in terms of public health and preparedness? Like you're saying, yeah, mobilize like it's like you should have mobilized a year ago when you said it training programs or whatnot to get those hundred thousand public health care workers go. But what are the barriers to that? Right. Like just paint a picture of like the future coming out of this. You know, is it are we at the behest of the private insurance industry? Is that what's holding us back? Is it is it big pharma that's holding us back or is it just the sheer reliance on those two entities from the federal government and from politicians rather than an investment in something like public health. So there's a number of things. So the, the guy who's running the COVID-19 task force is Jeffrey Zients. He's a me mega like businessman. I've heard it described as like, he's like, um, if, if you were to get like Stephen Miller to run immigration policy, essentially, mm -hmm. like it's very pro-business, very less like let it, let it open sort of thing. It's not like for a public health response, you would want a public health professional or someone, at least a doctor, at least, who technically isn't public health. But you would want someone pub pub with public health experience at least leading it, right? But we have a businessman who is leading it. And so business has consistently directed the pandemic response. Prior to the CDC issuing the five-day, you know, messy guidance about isolation, Delta Airlines had sent a letter to the CDC being like, you know, these isolation guidelines are really kicking yes. our ass. 
can you just change them? And then a few weeks later, lo and behold, they changed them. With which, according to some people in the uh, some people that even blindsided people within the agency oh, shit. itself. So there is like huge, a huge, a huge reliance on. Um, on like on corporate influence, corporate like corporate America is kind of you know driving. Yeah. Um, and then another another um thing that I would say is that the um this corporate America is driving response. And then the another problem is like there's a lot there's um I I'd, I'd say like there's just like a lack of there's the country is divided into three components essentially. Um, there are people who are still taking this seriously. There are people who are not taking this seriously, and people who are in the middle. And I'd say the people in the middle are kind of like the mm. majority, um, who could go either way, sure. actually, based on Tuesdays. The, I'm scared. Thursdays, it's whatevs. Based on what the prevailing attitude right. is, and so there is a lack of, um, I guess, like it's been so long, and there's like a lack of cohesive pressure and stuff, and the, the lack of uh, thing that kind of, you know, I allows those in power to kind of take advantage and be like, well, let's hope this this is the last surge and get through it and then we won't have to prepare. But of course, more variants, you know, could. That's That's been the saddest uh, thing might. to me is to see this administration go like, well, we who could have predicted a variant? And we were like, everyone, everyone, we could have predicted a variant and we don't have the access to the intelligence that you guys do and the information and the experts. Um, I want to give Julie and Brandy a chance to jump in. Any questions, burning hot concerns, thoughts? I mean, if you were Biden right now, Abdullah, what would you do? What would I do is I would, first of all, I would say, you know, we're in a pandemic, I would say, and I would like- I do hear him say like, that. Well, no, I'm going to push back on that a little because when during Christmas, for instance, when we really shouldn't have, when we knew about the spread of Omicron or whatever, he said, it's safe for you to gather with your, with your family members without necessarily adding that the risk of hospitalization and death is lower. And that's how I'm defining safe. Right. We need there's this they want to have it both ways where they're like, oh, wear a mask, get tested, get boosted, Google where you get the test, get the thing. But also we're like, we're going to like we, we can run society as normal, which, you know, clearly we can't. We're seeing closures, whether we want to, uh, to see those things or not. Um, and so that is that would be the first step is to have a consistent message that the pandemic is still going on, that um, we that the pandemic is still going on that you know we really need to to scale back our behavior mm -hmm. and we and you know um put put measures in place that you can put in place that are consistent with this right show that you are more you're, you're just trying you're trying to do more than like a vaccine right. only strategy it's, if you put um, all your eggs like, in that so basket in the vaccine there's fucking breakthrough yeah. cases well then you're done like it's done yeah. You know, it's very yeah. difficult to continue to defend i mean obviously we're going to defend the vaccine but you need a broader strategy mm -hmm. than that. Yeah, and I think like, you know, what what are your federal agencies doing that, like people, I, one thing that frustrates me, I mean, I'm bef uh, back and forth between Rhode Island and Texas, which both have, which, you know, Rhode Island is blue, Texas is red, but both state governments, you know, Texas is, is doing a much worse job. Um, but the Rhode Island state government, because the, there is not necessarily that much pressure from, you know, the administration, no state in New England has a proper mask mm. mandate, right? We have California does, 
um, Oregon does, Washington does. So what I constantly hear is like, oh, because some states won't do it, because some people won't do it, like let's just, you, you can't do anything at all, right? And I would like to see an effort from the administration, a real genuine effort from the administration that, you know, um, that, that acknowledges this sort of vaccine plus strategy that we need a, a number of, of tools and a number of, of uh, public health um, uh, interventions. Yeah. And one, th one thing that I always like to point out to people is like Democrats really get voting barriers, right? They get the fact that a lot of people don't have ID, that you need to go door to door to, to organize, to get people to vote, to get everyone, uh, to get as many people as possible out to vote. We get that when it comes to voting. When it comes to vaccines, that was tried for like two months. And then it was like, oh, okay, go get it in a pharmacy, go get it in a thing. That's not to say that there's not significant anti-vax sentiment, right? But there has been a lack of. But the there. Right? Sorry, he agreed. Yeah. yeah, but there are barriers. Yeah. You're saying yeah, there's barriers actually. There's not to say. There's not to say. Yeah, yeah. There's not to say that there's there's not. It's not to say there's not significant anti-vax sentiment. Oh. Of course there is. But also there hasn't been like a, a firm enough pushback from the sort of pro, from the Biden administration to promote these vaccines to get them out to the people. And what I always find that frustrates me in public health is the, there is this almost barrier that stops people from even trying. It's like, why try if they're gonna resist mm -hmm. anyway? And that for me, whether you're talking about public health or you're talking about voting rights or something, it's a consistent theme of why try because this other side is, is you know, more organized, they're, they're gonna resist anyway. So if you have that attitude, you're gonna, you've lost the battle before it can even begin. That's what I would like to see. I would, I, what as a, as a Muslim, you know, I would, I always go back to what I call the Muslim band mm. standard or the Muslim band thing. Have I seen the Biden administration push for anything as hard as the Trump administration pushed for that band? I can't say that I have. They, they so, had their Stephen like, Miller in there. I mean. Yeah, like the Trump administration as disjointed and, you know, as incompetent as they were for their own agenda, it was just like, you know, we'll try this, we'll try this, yes. we'll try this, we'll try so this. So much hit passion. This, hit this, hit this, until, it, until it sticks. With the Biden administration, it's like, okay, we'll do this one thing. Oh, we can't, like, we'll, we put our hands up and stuff. And that's what I think what's what really frustrates me is we don't, in public health and specifically, specifically, we don't, we haven't seen that attempt. And in fact, we've seen undercutting of our own messaging and our yeah. own attempts. I would agree with that. I think for, I mean, for me, I, 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 you're, I'm sure a hundred million, a thousand percent right about everything you're saying. I think for people, there became a, um, a disinterest in what any public health officials, including Dr. Fauci had to say, because I can speak for myself and I'm sure lots of people who didn't even get the vaccine, even though we did, because it felt lied to about the vaccine because the vaccine didn't do what they said the vaccine was going to do. Mm. I mean, everybody at our super spreader event got was all vaccinated. We had to do proof of vaccination. We all got tested before we went in and then everybody still got it. Right. So it's like, well, we're you know, it's I think it becomes just a lack of trust in, in the in the public and public health officials and the word right. of of what they're saying. It's just nobody believes nobody knows who to believe. And rather than it maybe, I agree. And, yeah. and is it possible? And is it what could it and shouldn't it be a public health thing for our elected whatever officials to be like you know what we actually don't know yeah so yes. we don't know <laughs> so we think this and we heard a little bit that's why we're wearing masks that's why we're so, vaccine that's why da, da, da. It, but you just don't know yeah and if i can so basically to provide some perspective there is the public health rank and file 
right? Who are people who are working in health departments, people who are working in universities and stuff. And then there are public health officials who, honest, who are on the behalf of the administration. The CDC is technically an independent organization, but they get pressure from the White House to go a certain direction. And just like we saw with the sort of Delta Airlines guidance. What really made us, the, the turning point that I can see in this whole pandemic was in May, when the CDC said, you can take your masks off yes. if you're vaccinated. Ugh. That was not, we were not at that, at that point. We were not at a point in the country where we could get, where we, where we had reached that threshold. Um, and even honestly past that, like I am, uh, I am originally from Toronto, like a long time ago, I used to live there. And my friends in Ontario for until the new wave hit, they had like a couple months of, you know, semi-normalcy because everyone was like still wearing a mask and stuff, but life or otherwise returned to normal for a couple months. Um, and so that was what I, what I, what I think was the first yeah. sort of turning point was in May when they said, okay, you can take off your mask. And then the CDC guidance, you know, was like, okay, well now with cases are going up, so put your mask back on. Oh, like with the isolation guidance, right? Don't you can't do this, you can't do that. What I what I has all what we have all I have always advocated for is being clear and res, like responsible, clear and cons clear to people about what this actually is. The pandemic is unfair. It sucks. Like we, it's not a rational actor, whether you're left or right, whatever, what, whatever you believe, we can't escape it unless we actually do something about it, right? We can, as we can see, right? The, the, it's clearly having an impact on our lives, whether someone chooses to ignore it or whether someone doesn't choose to ignore it. Like we're all miserable about it. Um, so, and it's, it's, it's like an, it's like an, it's a thing we can't necessarily, it's a virus, right? It's not like a, like, like, I think some people have the attitude, it's like, oh, oh like, this is so unfair. Like, I would, like, as if like the, like a politician can kind of wave COVID away, uh, which we can't, like, we can have better strategies to manage it, which I'm asking yeah. for, but it's a virus. It's going to be unpredictable. We, it's going to require patience and that's, it's going to suck. But if we don't, you know, engage in, if we don't, uh, you know, <laughs> Put, uh, be patient and try these things. It'll only get, we're just kicking the yeah. ball down the ball. And I, I think what, I mean, and I totally echo what Julie's saying that like, you know, having some sort of humility about how uncertain these times are and how scary it mm -hmm. is, I think yeah. is really nice. And, and, you know, I would love for Biden to have a cavalier notion in nature about voting rights and about the Build Back Better Act and about the filibuster reform and then have sort of, you know, more caution and thoughtfulness and, you know, reverence when it comes to the pandemic. Instead, we're switched on that. He's like hella cavalier about the pandemic and, you know, really, really cautious about, well, I don't know, cinema, what's she going to think? She's such a she's a she's tough as a devil, you know, or whatever the hell he said about her. So. Yeah, it's we're just missing the mark. Um, and, and thank you so much for breaking that down, Abdullah. We have to move on. We gotta wrap this show up. It's been so good. Um, I love everyone's comments. I see them. I'll read some in a little bit. Um, and uh, but but final segment. Given that Mr. Thomas Friedman, man with the worst takes um, in the country, maybe the world. Uh, still releasing op-eds for the New York Times, uh, still just uh, that getting that cushy, cushy op-ed money, whatever that is, um, selling his weird Orientalist books. Um, he had a new thought. <laughs> he had a new thought this week, which was, hey, Liz Cheney seems to be doing some good. Why not have 
Biden and Liz Cheney run on a ticket together in 2024 and be elected by no one. Um, that is exactly what would happen. So I want to know from my guess, what is the worst 2024 presidential picks you could possibly imagine? The worst ticket. Worst ticket 2024. Who wants to go first? Julie? Man Cinema. I, I knew you were Mansion Cinema. <laughs> cinema. Cinema has talked about, I mean, right, this is the, th these are the whispers, she, right? That she, that she thinks she's going to be a presidential hopeful. Bitch. Yes. I think she thinks, I think, I believe she believes that she can be president. <laughs> and I believe that she believes that she's going to be running for president and not vice president, president. but president. And she probably thinks she's going to be vice president and president because that's how big of a <laughs> stupid bitch she is. She, um, <laughs> she very much. Yeah. Like I, here's what I think. I think she'll try to get in a primary that maybe the democratic Friday primary. And then when she doesn't win that she'll run third party. Oh. <laughs> yes. And we'll have to God. listen to her stupid voice on a debate stage. Oh my God. Um, a third party. I can't, I can't take uh, it. Brand I can't take it. Brandy. I'm going to, what do you think? I'm going to go with Julie's. Cause <laughs> I knew she was going to say that. Worst twenty. I mean, we're pretty, we're pretty much the same. Yeah. yeah. But they, but they appeal to the center. You guys are so many people are just tired of the division. <laughs> yeah. We really need to get into the division because <laughs> people are people. And for the most part, we're really good people. <laughs> And America's filled with good people, and all these good people just want to like keep things white and I mean yeah, keep things keep good. Things white. I mean good. So let's keep it man and went white. It's cool. <laughs> just men and white. You know, here's that's your ticket. Men and white. Men. That's the ticket. Uh, I, oh, that definitely would win. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, Abdullah, what's your worst 2024 pick? Um, I'm gonna say like the worst ticket that I can think of is like cinema, like cinema to get the centrist and then someone from the Biden administration. So like Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> oh, bitch. Um, Ooh, so, I, I hate that too. Think about the dance that they would good. create for Ooh. that candidacy. Just gotta ha 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 with like high hopes. <laughs> yes. With the Macarena. Yeah. With and fucking... she'd be like, we're both LGBTQ. I <laughs> A. No, I, I really, first yeah. of all, don't think it was lost on me that you guys were definitely calling her a fake bisexual. I definitely, <laughs> she's probably like one of Bring the it. most famous people. Like what kind of like before people were like, I'm bi for clout. She was totally bi for clout. Like yeah. she totally said that. Yeah. Um, I mean, anyway. come on. Oh, I, I love please. that. Please. Oh, that was great. That was good. He That's thought about it well. I that like is cold-hearted. Yeah. cold-hearted. Yeah. Mine's more of a That's throwback cold. because Thomas Friedman's is a throwback. I think Bush Cheney 2024, baby. Like, Whoa. go back to it. The worst wow. possible ticket? George W. Yeah. Bush being resuscitated by a lot of idiot mm. pundits somehow. Wow. And Dick Cheney, who does not have a heart, but my God, he's still got a bloodlust. So it is. Wow. I, I think I think Bush would be constitutionally limited, though, wouldn't he? Because yeah. Well, what does. if you reverse it? Can he run for vice president? Yeah, vice president. People said that about oh, Obama, true. like be Biden's yeah. VP. 
Wow. I would hate to see Hillary Clinton run again. And they mentioned that Good on The one. View. Good After one. The View has jumped the shark, they were Good like, what one. about Hillary? I and I'm like, no. Maybe it's, what about Bill and Ooh. Hillary <laughs> What about together on a ticket? I hate that. Disgusting. One of the... Uh, one of the, the the potential things that's been thrown out is pretty scary. It's like they've thrown out Harris and Buttigieg, who have both, you know, held had missteps in terms of how they communicate with people and can't seriously with like as in their staff, like they're yeah. They that's just been thrown out that like Harris oh, Buttigieg. Harris oh Buttigieg. no, and no. that would the Harris obviously is like president. Can you imagine Buttigieg? They yeah. lift up Buttigieg. They would totally fucking do that. Nah, I don't have confidence confidence in either of those people. I apologize. I just I don't think that I, I think that the ticket was rough the last time. And and other than Bernie, honestly, uh, Warren had her moments, except for when she went full Daenerys uh, on us. Not gonna re litigate that, but you oh, know. Sh oh shit! <laughs> oh shit! Oh yeah. shit! No, that's for another time. But I, just, I think Warren. I think Warren's gonna try to run again for sure. For sure. For sure. You do? Oh yeah. I don't know. She. Well, we were at that her super spreader event before yes, she on, we were. on Super Tuesday. We were. It was like we right there. when COVID was out, and it's like, well, let's go get this thing because we love Elizabeth Warren, <laughs> and then she <laughs> dropped out that night, and we were crying. Yeah, I mean, we're. I yeah, like Elizabeth Warren. I just. <laughs> We like Bernie fine. I just no. Look, my, I like Kamala I just, Harris. I love Kamala Harris. Yeah, so we both. Love I don't Kamala. know that I don't have confidence necessarily that I, she could win, and certainly don't drag the gay guy behind you. You're gonna, no. you're gonna screw yourself even more. I've been very but. disappointed in Kamala Harris, but I also think it's a thankless uh, vice president role, vice presidential role. Yeah. I think it's difficult, but I don't think they're giving her even like the ability to stand out. If she wanted to, she's got to hold Biden accountable. She's got to be a fucking like. She needs to be pushing him, but I don't know if she has even that in her. I think she is more of a moderate, to be honest with you. I I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not totally I convinced. Um, I do uh, think they have her I, backstage, like to, like giving her the book of secrets and stuff, being like, "You're gonna be president. We need to keep you back here. Aliens are That's real. What's going on? Just be yeah, aliens are real. And they are. Talk to Harry Reid. There's a lot. The UFOs. <laughs> Russia. Putin's backdoor code is this. We gotta get this going. We're gonna keep you safe." Don't say too much, but in the third, going into the fourth year, you're going to come out cunt. Okay? You're going to come out cunt. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Julie, that One would be the Democrats have a plan, and I hope that, that <laughs> is the case. Abdullah, have the last word here. Um, yeah, just one thing that I want to say, like this discussion reminded me of, and I forgot to mention, it's like, just stop talking down to people. Like, stop getting Jen Psaki to punch people in the face and Kamala Harris to tell people, well, you have Google or whatever. I think for us, just that would make Absolutely. a difference in terms of the pandemic as well. Just stop talking I, down. I, would, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, she is the last word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Julie can have the last word. Yeah. No, 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 no. We got to wrap, but yeah. there is more show with Julie Brandy and myself. We're talking about marijuana and COVID. Obviously, Abdullah, if you want to join, you are more than welcome. That's patreon.com slash bituation room. But Abdullah, where can people find your work? They can find my work uh, on my Twitter at ashipod, um, just ashipod. Sweet. And they will find everything there. At ashipod. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, be very well. Take good care. Come back. Yeah, for sure. I had a good time. Hell yeah, us too. <laughs> and Julie and Brandy, where can people find you guys? In the gutter. <laughs> um, dumb, our, our, our podcast is called Dumb Gay Politics. It's everywhere 
you get your most places, you get your podcast. We were having technical difficulties, yeah. but all of the major Ooh. Spotify, iTunes, all that jazz. Yes. We do have a Patreon that's non-political. Mm -hmm. If you like to get down on just, we do like whippets and talk about, we do eating challenges. We just do. Will you have me on to talk thing. about in just like that? Cause that's like the one thing I oh. want to talk about. <laughs> God. I also want to do and whippets. Just <laughs> yeah and that's the only way that you can watch that show hell yeah all right um we'll see you in the post show thank you so much for being here and for uh yeah for 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 everything just for being you and amazing take good care and thank you guys for being in the chat thanks for joining me um i'm just gonna go to some super chats thank you so much tony rizzo uh writing in about Tiffany Caban, who's going to be on the live show on March 10th. Tiffany Caban is great. I attended a virtual workshop that she led with uh, Working Families Party. Very informative and useful praxis in harm reduction, re-local DA elections. I wish I could make the live show. Well, you can join virtually. Virtual tickets are available, but that's that's like in the weeds shit, Tip, uh, Tony. That's like what you have to do. It's like, yeah, praxis on harm reduction in local DA elections. It's not always sexy. It's hard work. Um, on Yunkin, Constrained Agency on Twitch says, he has single-handedly forced all of Virginia students to have a year worth of remedial education at any public universities outside of Virginia. <laughs> I, I mean, I know there's going to be pushback here. We'll, we'll see. It's, it's going to be kind of a showdown between families and schools and, and whatnot. Um, Gary Cooper on YouTube on cinema says cinema on dancing with the stars. That's going to happen. I bet my life on it. I think you're absolutely right. Are you kidding me? Of course. Like, and, and good. Like I will celebrate her. I just want to safely be able to celebrate like the, how, whatever midlife crisis extended midlife crisis she's going through. I'm like, yes, girl, you know, um, just out of, out of power, please. Um, this is pow. How nobody now on Twitch says COVID was a dry run on how we as a country would react to a virus spreading and we failed as a country. When a real deadly virus comes along like airborne e Ebola, we're fucked. Totally. I, I think about that often. Like it's been awful. We're, we're bumping up against whatever, 800 plus thousand deaths. Uh, I've had family relatives, uh, family members die. Friends. But like if an act like if an insanely deadly virus not just contagious but deadly what the fuck are we gonna do we're totally unprepared for it uh jeremy justice thank you for your super chat rogan mar 2024 would be the worst ticket and somehow most most electable oh not electable i mean just very specific demographic like this was they pulled well with non-college educated and college educated and overeducated white men but that's a really good one um and for everybody thank you guys so much uh for for all of your thoughtful comments and your super chats and obviously for becoming patrons i see you new patrons and if you give 10 bucks and if you are the t 10 buck tier as a patron you get a shout out in the ceremonial fart song we have no new patrons at $10 or more. Up your pledge. Oh my God. All of the benefits. 
But thank you to the big tippers, Abdullah K, Joseph L, who said MLK would be proud of me. Thank you. That's really sweet. MLK would definitely be like, you are not doing enough. Francesca, the Fudge song is dumb. Randy L, thank you so much. Uh, thanks for all the work you do is what you write. Thanks, thank you for supporting me. Thank you to all the Twitch subs, Hippie Spot and Nanny Mendoza 05. I'm sure we'll have more Twitch subs next week. Thank you for the super chats again, Tony Rizzo and Jeremy Justice, and for everyone who supports the show. Thank you to Paige Omex, to Maximilian Inhoff, and to Alexander Ornes, who helped me with the show we stream every Sunday, 5, 8 Eastern on YouTube and Twitch. Follow the Bituation Room on Twitter at Bituation Pod, on TikTok at Franny Fio, um, on Instagram at Franny Fio. Um, and remember, y'all, fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, get tickets for March, and don't just bitch about it, be about it. Bye-bye.